The podcast world is growing bigger every day and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free, it's the easiest to use, and we're adding cool new features every day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow the Killer Instincts podcast once you're there. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah Brimer, and Killer Instinct is my true crime podcast. We do new episodes every single week, so make sure you click that follow button. That way you never miss one. So guys, for today's episode, I am covering a case that I have put off for a very long time, and I think I put it off because it is so popular, and I've just, I've always gone back and forth on this case just because it is, like I said, so popular. It's so well known, but at the same time, this story is absolutely wild. And if you have never heard it, I am about to completely blow your mind with this. It definitely is my most highly, highly, highly requested case to cover. I think part of that has to do with the fact that there is a movie coming out very, very soon on this case. Um, I'm not sure exactly when it's coming out, but I do know that it is coming out soon. So for today's episode, we are talking about the case of Dee Dee Blanchard as well as Gypsy Rose Blanchard. And if you have never heard of this case, get ready because this is about to take you on a wild, wild ride. So Dee Dee Blanchard is what she is more commonly referred to as, is what most people know her as now, but that's actually not even her real name. Her real name is Claudine, um, but for the sake of not being confusing, we're just going to refer to her as Dee Dee. Dee Dee was born on May 3rd of 1967 in Louisiana. She grew up with her family. And from the get-go, as a young teenager continuing on through the majority of her life, Dee Dee was known to be very rebellious, very just kind of troubled. Her family said that if she didn't get her way, she would always just kind of retaliate with violence and she would get involved into shoplifting and petty theft. And that kind of led her into getting involved in more serious crimes. She ended up making fake credit cards, forging checks. She just was all over the place. But her family, which I find this so interesting, and I don't know if interesting is the right word, but her family, the way her family describes her I just think is very telling her family describes her as an evil person and they said that they wouldn't be surprised if she actually has some sort of bipolar or multiple personality disorder not that obviously that doesn't connect to you being an evil person but that is just something that they've mentioned according to Dee Dee's dad the two of them were pretty close when she was growing up but her stepmom said that if she, anything didn't go her way she would completely lose her mind and throw a fit and she was even accused of trying to poison her stepmother which is just insane um, and Dee Dee's mom, Emma, also just wasn't on the best path in her life. She just kind of paved the way in a sense for Dee Dee's troubled past because she also stole money, stole clothes, was violent, and kind of had the similar um, path that Dee Dee followed. But what I find crazy was when I was reading about this is Dee Dee completely was known to go just like off the deep end after her mother had passed away. Her mother unfortunately passed away. And when and leading up to her mother's death, Dee Dee was the main caregiver of her mother. And a lot of Dee Dee's family have said that the days leading up to Emma's death and Emma's passing, that Dee Dee was depriving Emma of food. 
Didi's family have said that leading up to Emma's death, Didi was basically just starving her and not letting her eat. And because she was her primary caregiver, there was no other way for her to be able to eat or be comfortable or anything like that. So a lot of people think that it is a very big possibility that Didi has something to do with her mother's death. Now, Didi worked as a nurse's aide, which is going to come into effect later on down the line through this case. But when she was 24 years old, she went to a bowling alley, and that is when she met a man by the name of Rod Blanchard. Now, this is crazy to me because Didi was 24 at the time that she met Rod, and she actually ended up getting pregnant by Rod, who was only 17 years old. Old. Now I know that this was a long time ago. Um, actually, I mean, it wasn't even, it was, it was long ago, but it wasn't like crazy long ago. Their daughter was born in July of 1991. Um, and Rod said that the two of them got married. Dee Dee and Rod had gotten married because Rod said that that's how he grew up. You know, if you got a girl pregnant, you're going to marry her. And by the time he was 18, he said he woke up on his 18th birthday and was just kind of like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not happy. This isn't who I want to spend my life with. Like I'm over this. I'm done. And so the two of them ended up getting a divorce. Personally, I think the fact that he was 17 is crazy. Like, I think that that would make literally national headlines now. Um, but at the time, it was, I guess, more, I don't want to say common, but definitely more clearly, it just wasn't as concerning. So now it is July of 1991, and that is when Dee Dee welcomed her daughter, Gypsy Rose Blanchard, into the world. So according to Rod, by the time Gypsy was about three months old, Dee Dee was starting to think that Gypsy was developing something called sleep apnea, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically a pretty serious health condition where during sleep, your breathing kind of just like starts and stops. And obviously that can be very serious and very fatal, especially at such a young age like Gypsy was. So Dee Dee was really worried about Gypsy's health. So she ended up taking her into the hospital and there was all these tests done on Gypsy and all of these different treatments that were getting put upon her. And the results actually, when they came back, they showed that Gypsy didn't have sleep apnea. But according to Rod, this is when he said that the health issues of Gypsy began. Like this was the very beginning of a long, long, long journey of Gypsy's health issues. Or I can even say the lack thereof. Rod said that, you know, Didi was always telling him that Gypsy always had a new problem. It was either a vision problem, a hearing problem, a digestive problem, which escalated into Gypsy wasn't able to walk anymore because she had something called muscular dystrophy. And this muscular dystrophy all kind of happened, I guess, after Gypsy ended up falling off of her grandfather's bike when she was about seven years old. And her cousin was there. And when her cousin was talking about this, he said, yeah, she fell off the bike, but it was just like a scrape on her knee. Like nothing bad happened. It was wasn't worth going to the hospital over it was just a little scrape on her knee it wasn't a crazy motorcycle accident they were going slow it was literally just like right outside of their house and she just happened to fall off and scrape her knee a little bit but he said after that all he saw was gypsy in a wheelchair from then on out from the outside looking in, everyone thought that Didi was a loving and devoted mother who was caring for her sick daughter and no one thought differently because no one thought that they had to, you know, like who's going to question the mom who was literally devoting her entire life to her daughter's health? Because once Gypsy was born, she stopped being a nurse's aide. She really was just focused on being the main sole caregiver for her daughter. 
Didi was always taking Gypsy to different hospitals and different doctors and different specialists. And it was just like this constant, like I said, just cycle of one thing after another. And Didi told everyone that Gypsy's mental state was always going to be about five years younger than her actual age. So when she was 15, she was mentally 10. When she was 20, she was mentally 15. And like I said, no one's going to question it. She's Gypsy's mom. She should know best. And that's kind of just the outlook that a lot of people took from that. On Gypsy's 18th birthday, her dad called Dee Dee to wish Gypsy a happy birthday. And Dee Dee told Rod not to tell Gypsy she was 18. And Rod was like, well, what are you talking about? Like, she knows she's 18. It's her 18th birthday. And Dee Dee said not to tell her she's 18 because she's mentally five years back and she's just not going to understand and blah, 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 blah. And Rod did think that that was a very, very strange, but he really like he didn't really question it that much. He didn't really know the extent of what was going on. To give you some context as to how many hospitals Gypsy was brought to over the years, Didi had brought Gypsy to the local hospital over a hundred times between 2005 and 2014. And that is just local hospitals. That's not like all the different hospitals she went to over that course of time. That is just the local hospital. Something to know about Gypsy and Didi is that they were actually Hurricane Katrina survivors. And because of this, Habitat for Humanity ended up building them a house. And Gypsy and Didi slowly kind of made their way, I wouldn't say necessarily into the spotlight, but they were starting to get some recognition because this was a little girl who was claimed to have every disease in the book and she was still smiling and talking about fairy tales she believed in fairy tales so much like Disneyland was her favorite place so she would always get these free trips to Disneyland and go into Cinderella's castle there's so many videos and pictures of her and her mom at Disneyland and there's videos and interviews of her saying that everything in life is a fairy tale if you just believe and you just smile and from the outside looking in it just looked like the most hopeful little girl you've ever seen in your life but this hopeful little girl who was coming off to everyone as like 15 years old was actually 21 years old like it was crazy what was actually going on behind the scenes and you just would have never ever ever known and when Dee Dee would take Gypsy to all these different doctor's appointments, all these different hospitals, one thing after another was wrong. And, you know, usually when you have a medical condition or anything of that sort, there has to be some sort of medical proof. Tests have to prove it. There has to be records of it. But Dee Dee would always pull the card of every medical record of Gypsy's got lost in Hurricane Katrina, and no one is really going to fight that. So every doctor that she saw pretty much just believed that and took her word for it and would prescribe these medicines because remember, she was a nurse's aide. She knew what she was talking about medically. And so according to Gypsy, Dee Dee would just put her in the corner of the room, give her a Barbie doll, tell her not to talk unless instructed to, tell her if the doctor tried to examine her just to kind of not move her legs because she was in a wheelchair and just remain calm. And if you haven't caught on by now, which, hello, Gypsy was fine. Gypsy was not sick. Gypsy did not have any of the diseases that her mother was claiming that she had. And I'm just going to tell you guys a small list out of the actual giant list that Didi would say that Gypsy had as far as her medical problems went. Didi told Gypsy that she had asthma, epilepsy, hearing and vision impairment. She was quadriplegic, which is being paralyzed from the waist down. She was a slow learner. She had anemia. She had hypoventilation, leukemia, lung disease, heart murmur. And that's not even all of them. And if you can imagine her going to different doctors, different specialists, Didi going to different doctors and different specialists each time with her daughter, getting all these medications that are supposed to be treatments for all of these different diseases. And Gypsy had a feeding tube. Gypsy was eating through a feeding tube and she also 
also said that she would get her medications through a feeding tube, so she would never really know what medication Dee Dee was injecting into her. Just imagine how strong these medications are when they're going in to your body. We're not talking about like your common cold. We are talking about leukemia. We are talking about lung disease. We are talking about heart problems. Those types of medications all being pumped into you, you are going to be so whacked out and drugged out and obviously doing way more harm than good. And that's exactly what was happening here. If you look at videos of Gypsy from when this was all happening, you see, yeah, she's very hopeful, it's very sweet, and, you know, she's a happy little girl who, unfortunately, you would think has all of these diseases, but it's also very clear that there is something wrong um, as far as her behavior and as far as how she's acting, and I think a lot of people just blamed that on the fact that, oh, she just has all these different diseases, when in fact, it was like kind of the opposite. The medications that were being used to cure these diseases that the doctors thought that she had was actually doing the opposite effect, and it was actually kind of giving her the symptoms that these diseases would give her if she actually did have them, but she didn't. And I know it's like kind of confusing, but basically just to sum it up for you, Dee Dee was saying that Gypsy had every single disease in the book and Gypsy did not have a single one of them. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. And no doctor really caught it. No doctor questioned it. No doctor caught it. Like I said, she was a nurse's aide, so she knew what she was talking about medically. She said that the records got lost in Hurricane Katrina. No one's going to fight that. But even with that, I think this is what really bothers me about this case is like, even with that, and even with the testing you do, you don't think one person would be like, oh, this isn't right. Like she doesn't have muscular dystrophy. She doesn't need to be in a wheelchair. Why does she have a feeding tube? Like no one caught it. And that's what blows my mind. And I say no one caught it, but and no one did catch it until a pediatric neurologist named Dr. Flasterstein came into the picture. So Dee Dee had taken Gypsy to see Dr. Flasterstein and in his medical report, he actually wrote, and this is in bold and underlined, he said, the mother is not a good historian because looking back on the medical records, everyone is now able to see that with whichever specialist Dee Dee was taking Gypsy to, she was actually kind of specifying the family history for that specific doctor. So so for example, let's say Dee Dee was taking Gypsy to a cardiologist. They would go to the cardiologist. The cardiologist would ask for the family health history and she would say that everyone in the family died of a heart attack. And because of that, that is why Gypsy had heart problems and that is just their family history. So Gypsy needs this medication. And that was the cycle that Dee Dee was on and no one stopped her. No one caught it at least until Dr. Flasterstein. He said, 
the mother is not a good historian and there was an interview with this doctor that i watched and i thought it was really interesting and i'm about to get a little medical here but just hang with me so dr flasterstein said that if there is someone with muscular dystrophy meaning that they are unable to walk or they are quadriplegic or anything like that there should be no muscle tone in the legs because the legs are unable to move and they're unable to walk therefore they're not sustaining any muscle but what the doctor noticed is that gypsy actually had muscle tone in her legs and her muscle mass for everything that was going on seemed pretty normal and both of her brain and spinal mris checked out to be normal as well so in his medical report so dr flasterstein wrote that he had actually reached out to another one of gypsy's doctors after gypsy and Dee had left and after all these kind of questions came to his mind he reached out to other doctors and one of the doctors actually said that she reported that gypsy did not have muscular dystrophy so this was kind of the first thing the first moment in this entire story and in this entire case where someone actually said like okay something is really not right here however though Dee Dee was able to get a copy of that medical report and because she realized that someone was onto her bullshit essentially she needed to switch courses and so she never went back to that doctor ever again but Dr. Flasterstein in his report did say that he thinks that Dee Dee is suffering from something called Munchausen by proxy syndrome Let's talk about that for a second. So Munchausen by proxy syndrome is basically when a caregiver actually ends up inducing illnesses into their children or whoever they're taking care of with the end goal of being some sort of emotional gratification and attention because they can't get that anywhere else in their life. Does that not sound way too familiar in this case? I mean, I'm no doctor, I can't diagnose anyone, but just from an outsider's perspective looking in, it does make sense. She was literally drugging her daughter every single day with so many medications. If you look up pictures of Dee Dee's medicine cabinet, it will blow your mind the amount of medicine and the amount of medication that you see so in watching interviews with Gypsy now, she says that looking back, she definitely thought her mom was overprotective. And she said that if she had to describe her mom in one word, it would be unique as well as overprotective. But she said that, this makes a lot of sense to me what she said also though she said that you grow up and you live your life in one way and you don't know any different. So you don't know that it's weird or abnormal or not right. Gypsy said that she was pretty much blinded to the fact that any abuse was going on because she had endured it for so long. And while there was an overwhelming amount of emotional abuse, of course, there was also a fair amount of physical abuse as well. And you could tell, and this is, I go crazy looking back at these videos of Gypsy and Dee Dee together because they are always holding hands always holding hands in every single interview that they do every single video that was taken of them they're always holding hands and gypsy says now that when they would hold hands her mother would squeeze her hands so tightly if she said something she wasn't supposed to say or if she gave off an impression that she wasn't supposed to give off that she was not sick maybe but anytime anything would happen where Dee, Dee did not approve of what gypsy was doing and they were in a public setting and they were holding hands she would always squeeze her hand really tight and that is a hundred percent a form of of someone just trying to like prove their dominance to someone else it's totally like a play of power in that sense so just kind of to sum that all up and just to recap on all of that like i said everyone thought that Dee, Dee and gypsy were just the sweetest mother-daughter duo ever that just happened to have a really unfortunate circumstance happen to them 
Not only were they Hurricane Katrina survivors, but Gypsy also had the longest laundry list of medical conditions one would ever see. And so obviously, and I do think this ties into the Munchausen by proxy syndrome um, with wanting that attention. You have a Hurricane Katrina survivor and a daughter from a family who has so many medical conditions, it is unheard of. And to have both of those things happen to you, obviously people are going to run to try to help you and you're just, Dee Dee was just honestly taking advantage of every single person in this case. Like literally was taking advantage of the public, obviously was taking advantage of her daughter, taking advantage of everyone that came in through their life because she knew that their sob story would get her whatever she wanted essentially and would get her that attention that she was craving because obviously she couldn't get it anywhere else. You might be thinking like, why didn't Gypsy just say something? Which I know is not only common in probably this case, but literally in every kidnap, hostage, physical abuse case ever, everyone is always saying, well, why didn't you leave? And from someone who can tell you from personal experience, that shit is terrifying. And obviously I've never been in a situation as bad as this, but I can tell you from my own situations, which I've talked about before, you don't leave because you're so afraid of the possibilities of what if and what could happen and it's not and she didn't not try to ever leave gypsy actually tried to run away from home once which i didn't know until looking really deep into this case she had mutual friends with a man who was living in arkansas and i'm not exactly sure how she found him or what his name is i couldn't find his name but i do know that the two of them went to something called a vision con together um which is basically a convention and she told him vaguely about what was going on in her life and her home situation and this man told her to come live with him in arkansas and she said okay so she went home packed up her stuff and got a ride from a stranger and met him at his house. Dee Dee then I guess went onto her computer or tracked something on her phone because about four hours later she called up the guy's house and threatened to call the cops if Gypsy did not come home and once Gypsy did get home Dee Dee smashed her computer and her cell phone with a hammer and told Gypsy that if she ever tried to run away again she would smash her fingers with the hammer as well. Dee Dee then took a dog leash and clipped the leash to a pair of handcuffs and handcuffed Gypsy and that's how she was controlled for the next two weeks like that was part of her punishment and Dee Dee even went as far as getting a lawyer to say that Gypsy was mentally incompetent and Gypsy says that that's part of the reason she didn't leave either or try to leave again either um but she because she was afraid that if she did go to the police, her mom would pull out the paper that says that she was mentally incompetent and she would be sent home again and nothing would be fixed. So at this point, Gypsy just refers to these times as the dark times, the times that we are about to get into right now. Gypsy says that she was just angry. She was angry at the world. She was angry at her mom. She was angry at the fact that no one was able to help her and she felt so helpless and just felt like this was gonna go on forever. That kind of all took a turn when she met a man named Nicholas Godjohn. And I'm just going to be referring to him as Nick, and I'm not exactly sure if I pronounced his last name right. But Gypsy met Nick on a Christian dating website. And when she messaged Nick, they started chatting back and forth with each other, and they formed a long-distance relationship after four days of meeting each other online. Gypsy really just kind of hyped him up to be the Prince Charming that she always dreamed of in her eyes. This was Gypsy's first boyfriend, because if you think about it, Gypsy is 21 at this time. She met him in 2012. Gypsy was 21, but everyone, but no one knew that. Everyone was still thinking that Gypsy was 15, 16, around those young teenage years, because Didi, that's just what Didi was saying, and no one questioned it, but she was actually 21, and that's, it reminds me, I don't want to, I don't want to sound insensitive, but it reminds me of that movie, The Orphan, where the little girl is like actually 40, 
but she pretends to be like eight years old. It's just a very weird, weird, weird situation. And Gypsy and Nick would talk all the time. Nick was described by his family as pretty introverted and quiet, and something to also know about Nick is that he was diagnosed with autism as well as Asperger's, and the relationship that Nick and Gypsy formed as it progressed, it got a little weird. And that's what Gypsy said. Gypsy said it definitely reached a point of like uncomfortable sometimes because Nick would tell Gypsy that he was really into BDSM. And obviously Gypsy never, this is Gypsy's first relationship. It's her first kind of interaction with a guy. It's her first everything. And Gypsy didn't know what BDSM was, is what she said. And she looked it up and she was really just kind of in shock. And she was like, I don't want to do that. But Nick kind of manipulated her and warped her mind into thinking that, you know, a guy is supposed to be dominant over a girl always and girls need to be submissive to what the guy wants. And Gypsy said that Nick's ex-girlfriend actually reached out to Gypsy at one point. This ex-girlfriend actually told Gypsy that Nick was not a good guy and that he thought he was a vampire and was really into BDSM and which I mean, everyone's into what they're into, but there's definitely extent that it reaches, especially if the person on the other side of it, the person that you're doing these acts with, if there is one, like is not consensual with it and doesn't want it. That's just where it reaches a, obviously reaches like you just don't cross that line. Nick claimed to have a multiple personality disorder. He said that he's never been diagnosed with it, but that he should be because he's 100% sure that he has it. And because of Nick and with these multiple personalities that Nick said that he had, he would tell Gypsy that because he has multiple personalities, Gypsy should make up multiple personalities as well. So her multiple personalities could date Nick's multiple personalities. Some of the ones that they had, or some of the ones that Gypsy had, she had Kitty, Candy, and Ruby, and I'm sure there was a bunch of other ones, but those were the three that I could find in my research, and um, they all carried a different persona. And there is a bunch of pictures online that you could find of Gypsy and just kind of dressing up to match these different personas. She dressed in wigs and outfits and different things like that. It, honestly, you guys, it's so disturbing because I even got lost in it because I was like, she's so young. And then I think about it and I'm like, no, she's not so young. Like she's 21. Like she is at the time where most people in their life or a lot of people in their life, not to generalize, but a lot of people are exploring and dating and going out and different things. And you know, you think that she's so young because a she looks so young and Didi has always taught her and treated her like she was five years younger than she always has been so there's that to think about too Nick ensured to Gypsy that he would always be there to protect her no matter what and he said he would protect her from anyone and anything and that is when Gypsy asked Nick if he would even protect her against her own mother and that is when Nick said yes and that is when the two of them started kind of crafting this whole idea that they call plan b what they referred to when talking about the plan they had to murder Dee Dee Blanchard. You heard that right. <laughs> With how sheltered Gypsy was, Nick actually met Gypsy and Dee Dee in person. And they did this because Gypsy and Dee Dee were planning on going to see the movie Cinderella. And Gypsy thought that this would be the perfect time for Nick to meet Dee Dee. And so Gypsy bought Nick a ticket and Nick met them at the movie theater. Gypsy said, according to Gypsy, Dee Dee despised Nick, thought that he was super creepy, super weird for coming to the Cinderella movie with the two of them saying that he doesn't have a kid. Why is he here? This is a little girl's movie. It's weird. It's creepy. And she just got a really, really bad vibe from him and thought the whole thing was off. 
So the reason that Nick and Gypsy called this idea Plan B is because it actually was a Plan B. According to Gypsy, they wanted to do a bunch of other things other than having to resort to Plan B. But I think Gypsy really knew that there was really no way of escaping her mother's kind of sheltered lifestyle. There was no way of getting out of this life that she's pretending to live as a sick child. Because she's not a sick child. She was healthy. Like that's... Uh, there's so many different components in this case that it can get so confusing, but I'm just, I'm trying to explain it as best as I can. And Gypsy finally reached her breaking point and she actually reached out to Nick one night and told him that plan B was now turning into their plan A essentially. And she said that she was ready to get it over with. She wanted to do it. She didn't want to have to think about this anymore. She didn't want to live like this anymore. And she wanted the two of them to go off and live their dream together. So Nick asked her, you can find the messages online. Nick asked her, are you sure? Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And Gypsy told him this is exactly what she wanted. And she wanted him to come out to Missouri so they could get this whole thing over with. So now fast forward to the night that this all happened. So according to so according to Gypsy, how this all played out was that Dee Dee went to bed pretty late that night. The two of them, Gypsy and Dee Dee, actually painted each other's nails that night. And Gypsy said that she felt so bad, looking back at least, now she says she feels so bad because she knew exactly what was about to happen to her mom and she was acting like everything was fine. So the plan that Gypsy and Nick had kind of crafted up together is that when Dee Dee fell asleep, Nick was going to come to the house and Gypsy texted Nick saying that she left gloves outside on the front porch for him once he got there. And she said once he got inside, she would give him the knife and the duct tape that he would need. Like, oh my goodness, this is just, this is so crazy to me. So then Nick ended up telling Gypsy to wait in the bathroom when he got inside the house. And she just said, yes, sir. Like, yes, sir. I will, sir. Like, referred to him as sir, which obviously super power play move. Anyways, um, Gypsy went into the bathroom, she said, and she covered her ears. And that is when Nick went into Dee Dee's room and brutally, brutally murdered her. According to Gypsy, she said she heard her mom scream multiple times. She heard her scream for Gypsy herself, and she, then she also screamed, help me, and then it kind of just went silent after that. So as if this whole thing wasn't disturbing enough already, according to Gypsy, when she and Nick were talking about how this was all going to be planned out, Nick said that he was going to murder Dee Dee his way. He was going to do it the way he wanted to do it, no questions asked. And in that way that he would quote unquote want to do it, he planned on raping Dee Dee, which is just so awful. This case is so difficult because when it comes to Dee Dee, like she is just an awful person for putting Gypsy through what she got put through. But at the same time, it's like no one deserves to be as brutally murdered as she was. None of it should have happened. And so um, Gypsy said that she didn't want her mom to get raped. So she made a deal with Nick that he could kill Dee Dee, but he couldn't rape her and that he could rape Gypsy herself instead, which... <sighs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. So after Nick killed Dee Dee, him and Gypsy had sex and Gypsy said the sex was not consensual. Nick said that it was. And afterwards they packed up their things, wiped down the fingerprints and they both got into a taxi and went to a motel. They went to a motel together and they stayed there and there's videos of them hanging out in this motel together. Gypsy took these videos and it's very clear they are high off edibles and pot brownies and whatever they're eating brownies and they're acting really weird. They're definitely not acting like they just murdered someone and Gypsy's definitely not acting like she just plotted out her mother's own murder. Um, but then again, I don't know how you act in that situation, so I'm not really sure. 
The next day, they left the motel, they took a Greyhound bus, and they ended up... So the next day, they left the motel, and they ended up traveling to Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is where Nick's mom and stepdad lived at the time. So the two of them, Nick and Gypsy, moved in with Nick's parents. And when Nick's mom picked the two of them up from the airport, she said that there seemed nothing weird between Nick and Gypsy and that it was actually the first time she had actually met Gypsy and Nick had told his mom that Gypsy was homeless and living in a homeless shelter because her mom had kicked her out of her house. So Nick's mom was kind of really put in the dark in this situation as well. So it's not like she knew that they just did what they did and is now like come live in my house. Like that's not what happened. So something to mention is that Dee Dee and Gypsy had a joint Facebook page together. They started this Facebook page and would post updates on Gypsy's health and their activities, them going to Disneyland, the charities that they would be honored at, those types of things. Um, and they did have a little bit of a following, nothing crazy, but definitely enough to have like a Facebook page for the two of them. And on June 14th, on their joint Facebook page, there was a status that was posted that said, that bitch is dead. And everyone on the page freaked out and some people thought that they were like watching a movie some people obviously thought because of gypsy's health that they whoever wrote this was referring to gypsy but at the same time to say that bitch is dead is really weird then in the comments of that same facebook status this is about to get really graphic i apologize um it said i slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet innocent daughter her scream was so effing loud um it's disgusting there were multiple friends of Dee Dee who, once they saw that, went over to her house to see what was wrong. And when they got there, the two things that completely set her friends off was the fact that when they looked in the window, they could see Gypsy's wheelchair, as well as Dee Dee's car was parked in the driveway. So once they saw those two things, they knew that something was wrong, and that is when they decided to call the police. So when the police entered Dee Dee's house, so when the police entered the Blanchard house, they went into Dee Dee's room and that is when they found her laying face down dead in her bed. She had died from stab wounds and when the police found that Gypsy was gone, it was kind of like an initial fear. Like everyone was like, oh my God, like someone came in, murdered Dee Dee and then kidnapped Gypsy. And because everyone thought that Gypsy had so many medical conditions, needed so many different types of medicine, everyone thought that they were working on a really tight time crunch in order to find Gypsy before the possibility of her passing away too became a reality. There was a neighbor of Gypsy's who actually somehow knew about Nick and the online secret boyfriend that Gypsy had. And I don't, because here's the thing, like after Gypsy had introduced Nick to Dee Dee, she kind of, and because, because here's the thing, after Dee Dee, because here's the thing, after Gypsy had introduced Nick to Dee Dee and Dee Dee really, really, really didn't like him, Gypsy told Dee Dee that she wasn't seeing him anymore and so Dee Dee didn't really think it was something that she had to worry about. But one of Gypsy's neighbors, like I said, knew about the online secret boyfriend and the relationship that she had with Nick and so the neighbor told the police that. So when the police got his full name from this neighbor, they were able to trace the IP address that the Facebook status came from, and they were able to trace it back to Wisconsin where Nick and Gypsy were now living. When the police were looking through security cameras of different places around Missouri that the Blanchards lived, they were shocked, you guys, because not only did they find Gypsy, they found Gypsy walking. The girl who was known to have muscular dystrophy, the girl who was known to be a quadriplegic, the girl who was known to be confined in a wheelchair her whole life is now walking and everyone was just completely shook by it. 
Like I said, they were able to trace that Facebook status. The police were able to trace that Facebook status back to Wisconsin. And when they were able to find Nick's address, the police ended up showing up at Nick's home or Nick's family's home and arrested Gypsy and Nick the next day. This is pretty interesting because when they got caught, Nick and Gypsy pretty much went against each other. Nick told the police that the only reason that he went through with something like this is because of Gypsy and the fact that he loves Gypsy so much and he would do anything for her and that she asked him to do it and that he would have never gone through with it otherwise. He was... The interview that he has with the police is him just being like, if she never asked me to do this, like I would have never done this, but I did it for her because I love her. His mom and his stepdad also jumped to his defense and saying that he was blinded by Gypsy and because of the disabilities that he has, he was unable to control himself. A lot of people definitely think that Gypsy is one to watch and kind of not turn your back on because she grew up watching her mom be a master manipulator. She grew up watching her mom manipulate doctors, police, the public. Like Dee Dee had everyone tied around her finger. And so obviously Gypsy was able to pick up on some of that manipulation, some of those tactics and use them on other people. Also, she was able to premeditatively murder her mother or have someone murder her mother. So what else is she capable of doing is what a lot of people thought. When the police questioned Gypsy, she was adamant on the fact that she did not kill her mom, had nothing to do with it, wasn't involved, nothing. And when the police interviewed her at first, she actually acted like she didn't know her mom was dead. This case ended up going to trial, obviously, and in July 2015, Gypsy was sentenced to 10 years in prison after accepting a plea deal. Nick was sentenced to 25 years in prison. I want to just take a second and kind of regroup here because I know I threw a bunch of information at you, and I really want to kind of break it down that way I'm able to hear what you guys have to say about this because I know that there are a bunch of sides to this story. I was watching some interviews with some doctors about Munchausen by proxy syndrome, and they said that victims of this are described by medical professionals with the possibility of not knowing what's real or fake or reality from fantasy and not knowing what the consequences of their actions will bring. They're kind of so warped in this world, obviously in Gypsy's case, extremely warped with all the medication that was being shoved in her feeding tube. But because of that, she had no sense of what was real, what was fake and what reality was and what her actions would be leading to. So Gypsy was sentenced to 10 years in prison and her dad, Rod, has now been way, way, way more active in her life. There are interviews with Rod as well as his wife, Gypsy's stepmother, and they talk about being in Gypsy's life. They want to be in Gypsy's life. They want to help her. They feel really bad because they just kind of, they, obviously they didn't abandon her, but they didn't, they just feel guilt for not being there for her when she needed them. Gypsy said that if she had called her dad and told him what was actually going on, he would have been there in a second and she knows that and that she does wish that that is actually what she ended up doing instead of killing her mother. This case, you guys, there's so many, like I said, so many different parts to it, so many different directions that this comes in from and, you know, you think like that... The amount of premeditation and the brutality of the murder and running away from it all and thinking that they were going to get away with it. Like, so if you break it down, like, here's my whole thing. This is how my mind works. Like, on one hand, it's like, okay, yeah, she premeditatedly got her boyfriend to murder her mother, literally planned the whole thing out, left the gloves out for him, gave him the knife, the whole thing. She sat in the bathroom while her mother was stabbed to death. But then there's the other side of this, which is, Gypsy literally lived a living hell for the entirety of her life. 
Gypsy was in her mid-20s when this all happened, when her mother was murdered, and people still thought that she was a young teenager who had all of these disabilities and medical problems, and people thought that she couldn't walk. People thought that she couldn't take care of herself. She was eating through a feeding tube. Her mother was shoving medications down her throat every single day. Gypsy still says to this day that living in jail is 10,000 times more free than living with her mother ever was. So that does have to tell you something about the treatment that Gypsy had. And and so some do say it is self-defense because her mother was essentially trying to kill her with the amount of medications that were being shoved into her feeding tube every day. Bottom line, Dee Dee tried to murder Gypsy, whether she knew it or not, whether it was manslaughter or murder. The amount of medications that were being pumped into Gypsy's body every single day were under no circumstances okay, healthy, or anything. She didn't even have the diseases that she was taking these medications for. Like, she had, she was healthy. Like, she was overall healthy. Obviously, I think getting pumped these medications every single day doesn't make you so healthy. They was giving her the symptoms of the diseases that she was taking the medications for. I do blame the doctors so much in this case. It drives me insane that no one would like caught up with this. No one said, other than that one doctor, other than the pediatric neurologist, everyone just kind of let this slide because they thought she knew her medical terms. She knew what she was talking about. She was a Hurricane Katrina survivor. Like the medical records got lost. Like all of that happening. It's like, but still no one decided to like maybe realize like once her mris were cleared once it was realized she didn't have muscular dystrophy once that one doctor wrote a medical report saying that Dee blanchard had munchausen by proxy and obviously once Dee saw that she knew that she was getting caught up in her own lies so she diverted hospitals and never went back to that hospital again in my own personal opinion, I don't know if there would have been ever a way for Gypsy to have gotten out of the situation that she was in. I want to believe that there could have been. Like, I want to believe that she could have just, like, grabbed someone and been like, listen, like, I'm not sick. Like, this is what's happening. Whether that was her dad, whether that was a neighbor, whether that was a stranger, whoever that was. I would like to believe that, like, maybe she could have done that. But at the same time, I was never in her situation. I don't know what that was like. Obviously, if she's drugged all the time, her mind isn't working properly. And I just also wish that Dee Dee Blanchard was able to suffer. And I don't want to say she got the easy way out because I don't, that's not what I'm saying, but I just definitely think that it would have been better if, for everyone, obviously, if Dee Dee was caught in her own lies and ended up serving jail time instead of Gypsy. That would have been, I think, the best case scenario in this situation. But I am so, so, so curious to hear what you guys have to say about this, to hear, like, not, not what side you're on, but I want to know, do you think that Gypsy's sentencing was too much? Do you think it was too small? Do you think that Nick's sentencing was too much or too small? Like, I am so curious to know what you guys think of this. So definitely, definitely, definitely let me know, tweet me, DM me, all of that. I'm so curious to know what you guys think about this case. All right, you guys, that is it for me today. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning into another episode of Killer Instinct. Make sure you hit that follow button, turn on the post notifications so you never miss an episode. And with that being said, I will see you hopefully next week and stay safe.